everybody, and welcome back to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. And every week on our show, we turn to Netflix and watch every romantic comedy that they have listed in their lovely little list. And we're watching them from oldest to newest to gain insight and context in the genre. And because it's fun. What are we watching today, Justine? Today, we are watching 1937's Nothing Sacred. Nice. So, I don't know much about this movie, but you did a little bit of research before today. A little bit. It's our first film that we're watching that's in color. Yay. It's Technicolor. It stars uh, Carol Lombard. Um, And listen to the description here. When a small-town girl mistakenly believes that she's dying of radium poisoning, she's made the toast of New York City by an ambitious reporter. A radium poisoning? Radium poisoning. <laughs> well, was that, like, a concern in the 30s? Possibly. Because <laughs> that's, like, that's sad. You know, but you know, really, I read that and I and I get the romance. Really? Yes. I, I, Small town girl, ambitious reporter. There's gonna be love. <laughs> I get lots of death. It's a screwball comedy, so okay, it, it, it's zany. Okay, so yeah, that's um, interesting. <laughs> some additional facts. Uh, this is Carol Lombard's only Technicolor film because she died when she was. 33. She was in a plane crash. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of death associated with this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody who made these movies is dead. Sorry. Everyone dies. But, but, on a... <laughs> okay, now we're going to, okay, on, on a higher, on a, on a more positive note, this was one of her favorite movies that she did, that she did make, and at this time, she was the highest paid star in Hollywood. Even above the men? That's, I'm just getting my information from Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, rev- there's a, there's a the source. source. <laughs> there's a source there? Yes. You know, Justine, you can use Wikipedia as, like, your starting point. Nope. <laughs> this is what they taught me in college. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Carol Lombard, Frederick March, and Charles Winnegar. And it's irreverent, goofy, and romantic. It's a screwball comedy. Is that that one of the pictures that looks like uh, Wizard of Oz? Uh, Mrs. Gulch, the Wicked Witch. Maybe. It really looks like her a lot. We'll have to uh, do some more research and find out who, who's in this. Oh, her voice will give it away. Yeah. For sure. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, this guy looks very nice and spiffy in his hat. Yeah, it's very 30s. 30s coming on the 40s style. Yeah. Very, uh, Casablanca. Did you watch any, uh, screwball comedies in school? Not really. We watched one. We watched specifically one, and it was not this. (laughs) I don't, I've never actually seen any Carol Lombard movies. I haven't either. We are terrible people yes we are all right let's let's rectify that okay you want to watch it now yeah all right let's go and we're back yes we're back we just watched um nothing sacred again still not sure what the title is supposed to be about no well 
I don't know if you it kind of makes sense to me in that she's pretending to be sick like is nothing sacred like that kind of thing like she's saying she's dying that sort of but it, it is a bit heavy-handed I think as a title yeah like, it's a reach. It mm-hmm. is a reach. Because there's a lot of underlying themes that I think they were trying to go for. And it just was too much. Like, New York is the the seedy underbottom of, like, the country of the United States of America. And everyone's a liar and cheat. And Yeah, it kind of said that in the opening uh, yeah. titles, text that it was doing. Yeah, it was very weird. And then you open up on a scene... Where you have a liar and a cheat. <laughs> mm-hmm. With, uh, Mr. Oh, no. Sultan Man. No, no, no. Let's rewind. Oh, okay. Do Let's you... rewind. <laughs> After they showed the, the Culver City Studios, which were like, oh, there it is. We live right by it. It's down the street. <laughs> yeah. Like, still legitimately. There. Yeah. Still looks the same. Exactly the same. Um, then they do... This lovely title sequence, opening credits, with these creepy ceramic dolls. Were they ceramic? I couldn't, I, they That's what Wikipedia vinyl. said, they were ceramic. They looked, actually, they looked like claymation to me. Yeah. They looked like somebody had, like, taken caricatures mm-hmm. of these yes. actors and made very disturbing, big-headed dolls. Yeah. They were gross and creepy, and I wouldn't want to be in a room alone at night with them. No. Like, I kind of hope that they don't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the crew credits that they did were gorgeous. Oh, yeah, on the easel, and they were just switching the, the cue card, which was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And they had little illustrations for each, each role. Yes. And that was very nice, and the editor <laughs> yeah, was chopping up film yeah <laughs> and his yeah i swear it was a butcher he had like a butcher apron and uh like one of those um the paper hats that they all used to wear and just the the film spread out across yeah. the chopping block that's what we do <laughs> yes we make those noises too that's every what time i do when i click my buttons oh yeah <laughs> like every time you hit the little my uh we're getting a little nerdy here uh my keyboard setting for avid is slash for ad edit so i just go slash 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 yeah (laughs) nice that's very nice very appropriate all right so yeah and then it comes up with this um view of uh some b-roll some b-roll of new york it's Times square and then text over it pretty much not explicitly saying but just like the undertone of the text is that everybody is fake yes Everybody is fake, and it's all a con. That's all New York is. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, yes. Back to where we were, that uh, we go in, like, this ballroom or some sort of event It was like room. a function was going yes. on. Like, a weird, like, we're introducing this new grand plan that we have. It was almost like a, it was obvi- It was for the newspaper, the Morning Star, which mm-hmm. is the, the where our main, one of our main characters works, and... They're introducing the Morning Star Temple, which they're having this function to help get donations for this temple. And that's when we get introduced to our first person of color mm-hmm. in uh, in a film that we've watched, um, who I don't understand how he was dressed, 
but he had this big white They addressed him as a sultan. He was dressed as a sultan, and then they had a woman next to him in a sari. Yeah. this man, he was clearly African-American. Yeah. Like, dark African-American. Not even... Not even... You couldn't even mistake this man as an Indian man. Yes. It was... It was awkward. Awkward beginning. Yes. Very awkward. And then... So, the, the... Head of the newspaper is introducing the sultan and is like, for every dollar you donate, he will donate ten. We are so happy to have this man with the deep pockets. And then, all of a sudden, the cops and this lady with, like, how many children did she have? It was like, she had one in her arm and then four holding hands with each other. And she's like, yeah, that's my husband. (laughs) Yeah, his wife shows up with all the kids. <laughs> like it said, still, it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing and just odd to open up with that. Yeah, so the Sultan is a hoax and everybody's all, <gasps> Yeah. Because the newspaper is then shamed. Yes, as newspapers should for toting false information. Mm-hmm. Which I think that was another underlying theme mm-hmm. about the corruption of journalism. And yeah, so I was going to say media. that was a big attack on the the newspaper industry. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, it was around the time where you started having mudraker journalism kind of popping up, and especially in New York, it's about the same time that uh, Animal Farm Animal Farm was written, and it's kind of like the whole like Roxy Hart kind of deal. Yeah. Like, they'll, they'll do anything to get a hot story. Yeah, even if it's fake. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, but the person in charge of the story, our, our main character, he wasn't there, was he? No, he was there, he was falling asleep. Oh, that was him <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> and why was he falling asleep? It was his story. I think because they were implying that it really wasn't he was assigned this story. I think it comes back later on when he's having the meeting with, um, Mr. Stone, um, about how he was assigned this story, he's the best writer there, and he's assigned these really bullshitty stories, and he deserves better. So I feel like he really wasn't interested in this kind of humanitarian Mm -hmm. story since they were setting up a temple. So, he wanted something with a little bit more pizzazz. Okay, so yeah, that's our main character, Wallace Cook. Wally yes. Cook. Wally Cook, who they really don't say his name <laughs> at the beginning. I was very confused. Yeah. So, because of this <laughs> hoax, he then gets demoted to obituaries. Yeah. Obituary editor. Yeah, the editor of the newspaper, uh, his name's Oliver Stone, which I found very funny. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Um, he, he tells him that he's gonna take him out of the land of the living. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I thought that was really cute. Because then we dissolve to the obituary desk. Yeah. That was very cute. Yeah, where he's, where a lot of the physical comedy is introduced, where he's sitting at this desk, which is right next to all of the big filing cabinets, and just in the middle of this hallway, essentially. It's just this tiny little hallway of cabinets, and that's his tiny little desk, and behind him is the uh, the drinking fountain. Yeah. And uh, so he has a ladder mm-hmm. go over his head. He has a 
cup of water thrown on him. Yeah, people are dropping papers all over him. Some guy walks by with a big ream of paper and just, like, bashes him in the head. <laughs> Doesn't even try no. to avoid. And then the lady, like, this was the weird one. Mm-hmm. So the lady walks up, she's getting something out of the, the uh, filing cabinet, and she leans down and sticks her butt right in his face. Mm-hmm. And then just doesn't bat an eye. He... He just backs up. Yeah. Can't do his typing. Yeah, he gets very frustrated. Yeah, so he goes back to uh, Stone's office. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the best reporter you have. You can't keep me in obituaries. Yeah, I should be writing this story about this this young kid in Vermont who's dying of radium poisoning. Yeah. That's how they all talk. They all talk like fast-talking... New York reporter, like, the classic <laughs> New York reporter kind of guy. like, he declares himself to be the best reporter there. Like, yeah. we don't know. He's like, I am the best reporter here. Yeah. And we're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, there's only, like, hints to that throughout the rest of the movie, where he's just, uh, there's at one point he says, and I wrote that speech for you ten years ago, blah, 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 blah about the ethics of journalism or whatever, and... Um, I think that's the only throwback that they have of him being at that paper for so long and actually yeah. a decent reporter. So, so he wants his second chance to redeem himself. Yeah. Though I felt kind of like this wasn't just a second chance. Stone was uh really angry. Yeah. For this being a first time offense. Yeah, Stone was a bit I don't know, exaggerating of everything? Yeah. He was... Yeah, I don't think that man was very in touch with his emotions at all. He's an angry newspaper man. Yeah. Yeah, but not in, like, the funny Jonah Jameson kind of way in Spider-Man. But kind of. A little. He was a little J. Jonah Jameson. I guess. I just have a soft spot for, uh... Shit, what's his name? Actor. I know. Won the Oscar this year. Can't think of his name. I feel horrible. Yeah. Yep, you're beaming it into my head. I see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. I'm glad. He won the Oscar and told you to call your mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, we all know who it is. Okay. Um, (laughs) so he, he, he wants to write this story on this girl, Hazel. Well, you don't tell your name at first, so she's just a kid who's dying in Vermont. Which well, I'm... I think it was when he held up the... There's an article already written about her. Oh, okay. Which he asked that guy who works at the train station. He yeah. goes to Warsaw, Vermont. Which is apparently the, like... If New York is the underbelly of America, this is like hell. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go to Vermont. Ever. No, not even for all the ice cream in the world. <laughs> they will. They will harass you. Old ladies will stare at you and scowl. And little children will bite you. (laughs) Yes, for no apparent reason whatsoever. For being an outsider. They don't want outsiders. Yes. Okay, so he goes to, he he arrives via train, old-fashioned train, from New York to Vermont. And the guy, he shows that article to the guy at the train station. He says, I'm looking to find Hazel. And the guy's pretty much, nobody's gonna talk to you here. You're an outsider. Yeah, I'm the only one who talks to people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he's like, well, I'm gonna, or, uh, Wally's like, I'm gonna go and walk around and see the sights and see what I can do Mm -hmm. in an obvious attempt to evade dude's advice. 
So, yeah. First instance uh, that we hear see of a townsperson is the Wicked Witch of the West. Yep, she gets one scene. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved her. I grew up with her. She's the best. Uh, that's my mom's ringtone, and she loves it. But anyway, um, she's sitting in her little rocking chair, and she's knitting. And she's very short and very on the point, and she has her classic fast-talking kind of way that she yeah. does. And it was very classic uh, Wicked Witch. Clearly, as this movie was made before uh, The Wizard of Oz, and obviously is set in the same, or, well, was made around the same area. With the, by the same people. Yeah. It's, she was definitely brought on mm-hmm. from, I think, this movie, because this was right before The Wizard of Oz started filming. So, or maybe she, The Wizard of Oz was filming and they just brought her on for a scene. I don't, I feel like, you know, their studio pieces at the time used the roster of the studio artists. Yes. It was definitely, it felt, to me at least, it felt like a cameo. Like, today you have that one mm-hmm. scene where you had just bring an actor in and, uh, like, how they used to do with the with the Marvel movies where they would just bring Robert Downey Jr. in and do a scene for each movie to connect it to the universe. And that's what it kind of felt like mm-hmm. to me. I don't know if it was. Yeah, so she's all, not gonna talk to you, get out of here, newspaper man. Very hostile place. Mm-hmm. Um... And then we go to the doctor's office, and he was just weird. He's another one of our main characters. And uh, Wally goes to talk to him and ask questions about Hazel, because he's assuming, since he's the only doctor in town, he'll have information, just wants our address. Mm -hmm. And this man does not like newspaper people, because he lost an essay contest and lost out on $10,000. He's a scorned man. Yeah. He, was, he said he'd been holding this grudge for 22 years. Yep. So he had to have been, like, And it's his particular newspaper. Yeah, specifically the Morning Star, the New York Morning Star newspaper. Uh, so Dr. Man is shaving and is kind of terrifying at how angry he gets about the fact that he lost this newspaper com- uh, contest. And unhygienic. Oh, yeah. Like, he's shaving in the middle of his, like, examination room, which is really kind of gross considering blood normally happens when you use a straight razor. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he has to open the windows for some reason. Because he can smell a newspaper man. Okay. I didn't get that. I was just like, you're just opening the windows for no apparent reason whatsoever. So, Wally can't get any information out of this man because he was scorned by the newspaper. And as he's walking out, we are introduced to Hazel for the first time. Sorry. I was right. Lucifer meaning the Morning Star. Oh, okay. So, the Morning Star, the Morning Star paper is Lucifer. That's, that's, I'm just throwing that out there. There's a lot of symbols in this movie that are kind of right in your face, and I feel like that may be one of them. Or it could be reaching, because that's also, like, this movie. Yeah. (laughs) This movie does that a lot. But, um, this was the first film that we've watched where the man is introduced significantly before the woman. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in the first one, we had Ossie, who was right in your face at the very beginning, and then, of course, we had Fanny... In the last one, who she was introduced with a song even after their strange boxing scene. 
But, um, yeah, it was, like, a good 15, 20 minutes before we were actually introduced to... Hazel. Hazel, who is our star. She's billed. She's billed before the, uh... I wouldn't guy. call it, like, her movie, though. Eh. It's not her movie, but it's weird that the, she was billed for... I mean... She was the highest-paying, you know actor at the time she was the star material that's true i mean i guess i don't know when they changed billing but it used to be or it is now is screen time the amount of screen time you're on no matter what your pay scale is mm-hmm. is where your position is in the opening credits so for me, that was weird for me i've been doing a lot of credits lately <laughs> so <laughs> all right hazel goes to the doctor and the doctor is pretty much like oh i made a mistake <laughs> You're you're not really poisoned. You're not dying. No, sorry. And she's all upset because she had all this planned out that she was going to spend the rest of her life savings to go off to New York and blow it all. No, they were going to give her money. Someone was going to give her money for being sick. And then Uh she was going to, yeah, spend that money by going to New York and just shopping till she died or something. Yeah. I took it as she was going to just waste all of her life savings, but that makes more sense. Yeah, um, but so now she's upset that that's not going to happen. Yeah, she's going to have to stay in, uh, Warsaw. Warsaw. Which, really, why would you want to? She doesn't want to be in Warsaw. She wants to get out of this small town. Well, who wouldn't want to when random children come up and bite the back of your knees? I, no, I'm (laughs) never going to Vermont again. (laughs) I never intended to, so this just put a nail in that coffin. <laughs> it's really, this film was just anti-propaganda. <laughs> oh, this was anti-Vermont. Anti-Vermont. Don't go there. No. I'm sorry. Even New York, you'll have a better time. Clearly. <laughs> um, so... After Hazel comes out of the doctor's office, she's clearly upset, but it looks like she's upset because she's sick, and her diagnosis is worse off than where it was originally. Right. And Wally's chilling by the fence, just waiting for her. Yeah, he's he's waiting for her, and I don't, yeah, he wants to do the story on her. But I'm still not very clear on why. Like, why is this story so important to be told? Dude, I don't know. (laughs) It's something, it's something, I don't, I don't know what was wrong with New York at the time or something where they had to, like, just sensationalize. You know, you know, this kind of does happen with stories like Baby Jessica and, you know, things like that. The poor, you know. Poor little sick child. Yeah, especially, like, we got this beautiful white woman, and she's gonna die, so let's all... Let's all cry. Yeah, I don't know. It makes them feel better about... No, they were all crying. Um, it's just weird. Is weird? Yes. I don't know, (laughs) is what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like in the three films that we've watched, motives have not been a clear thing. Like, is this a just people need to develop their storytelling ability or are we still trying things out i don't know because at the same time you also have films like on with the wind coming out shortly after and then Oz. those had clear motives for their characters well gone with the wind was just it was a period piece that's true and wizard of oz yes wizard of oz what was based off a book yes 
But this was based off of a short story, so motives should still be a little bit more fleshed out, in my opinion. All right. So, well, this is where Hazel, she she's starting to be a little bad. She sees Cook as her ticket out of here now. Yes. Because he goes, I want to take you to New York and take sh- you away. Yeah, show, show you the town, time. and the people will love you, and we'll do all this stuff, and then you'll die or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm going to take you on an airplane. And she, like, flies off the moon. She's like, oh, an airplane? I must go now. No, she says, people will like me because I'm dying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that line. So she's like, oh, I'm dying. That's me dying right here. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Hazel is clearly not the Hazel Grace that we know and love from Tiffios. <laughs> Nobody has no idea. <laughs> oh, but she's like, I gotta bring my doctor with me, because that's my doctor. And for, they don't show her asking him and him, you know, his motive to go. Yeah. Which I completely forgot about, or just, you piece together to me that he's going as revenge for... for him losing this contest 22 years ago. <laughs> losing that $10,000 to that newspaper. Yeah. But you don't see any of that at all. It's like, I'm gonna go get my doctor, and then it cross-cuts to them, the plane. And the plane. Yeah, yeah. with the, uh, the aerials of New York, and then the, uh, the, uh, background projection. Mm-hmm. Or the reverse projection. The rear projection. Yeah. Which was the first time it had been done in a color film. Yeah. It looked very bad. Yeah. It was, yeah. They- They also had really, really awkward shots of New York. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how- new aerial technology was to, I guess, filmmaking at the time, but they got really close to the buildings. Yeah, with their rear projection, though, they just didn't, like, put it in the correct depth of field. No. It was, like, right there, right outside their window. Yeah. They did not focus it out, you know. It looked like really, like, today you would see really bad matting. Yes. And that's what it looked like. It looked like somebody had just cut out that square and then that picture was just there Mm -hmm. for no reason there was no i mean i guess there was a reason because they were in an airplane but it was weird it would have looked better if they just did like nothing out the window like if If it was just a studio wall yeah and like it was just white it was just we didn't even look out there yeah it would have looked better and not as distracting also the windows were huge for an airplane (laughs) for a tiny little airplane they had yeah big windows yeah um so as they land in new york and she instantly gets the key to the city and there's a huge ticker tape parade (laughs) yeah why why did new york love her instantly it was just is new york just that sad of a place that they need these Because it was like a hero parade. It was like they had just ended the war and the soldiers were coming back, but she was like the general of said soldiers. She was the hero. She was the hero of 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 the girl facing death. She was brave. That's that. I'm not saying that makes sense to me, but that's what they were doing. New York's a strange place. I'm not from the East Coast, so you can... Hey, don't blame this on me. I don't know what's happening. It was 1937. <laughs> they had nothing to do. Okay. 
Well, they, they do have stuff to do because they, they obviously, after they go through this montage of all the things that she does and how much New York loves her, they go to what essentially is a WWE wrestling match at Madison Square Gardens. You know what? I like this and didn't like this because he explicitly stated the symbolism right away. Yes. <laughs> I was like, ah, come on, be subtle. He explicitly, he went... Oh, this is just a symbol for the whole city, how they're all fake. fake. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was very interesting because she's like, oh, look, he's going to get hurt. And he's like, no, this is all fake. And She so, goes, who are you calling fake? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she freaks out a little bit because she's afraid that Wally has figured her out, which he clearly hasn't because he's too ingrained in his brooding. Yeah. At how he fake doesn't do a is. lot of fact checking. He's just like... I don't know. Yeah, for being the best <laughs> journalist, where was the second or third source that they, yeah. like, go on and on and on about? Oh, this guy says you're sick? All right, let's go to New York. Yeah, <laughs> clearly you're sick. Let me let me take you on, a, on mm-hmm. the town. Oh, I like at the wrestling match, though, they were like, Hazel Flag is in the audience. Let's give her ten seconds of silence. Yeah, it's like the memoriam for the chick who's still alive. They yeah. made her stand up and watch as everyone bowed their heads and were quiet like you used to do in elementary school mm-hmm. when somebody had died. And then, oh, he cries on her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he grabs her hand. She's like, she's standing there and Wally grabs her hand and then, like, just brings it up to his face, and a single tear falls down, and then he places her hand back at her side very slowly and subtly. He, he does not <laughs> seem like a New York reporter to me. He only talks like one. Yeah. Other than that, he can be conned all the live long day. Yeah. So, um... Then they go sailing? Is that yeah. what happens right after? That was what, I couldn't really understand what was going on in that scene. She was asking him if he was married. Oh, okay, this was the said, setup. Yeah, he said no, and something about how reporters shouldn't get married for, I don't know. She was just, like, off screen, like, standing yeah. over him talking, and I was, like, well, I was so confused because we were getting a shot of her feet. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on right yeah, now. Yeah, and I was like, those shoes are really dangerous to be wearing on a boat. So yeah. Those discreet distractions, <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna like trip and fall and die. <laughs> fall into the into the river. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> there it goes. Whoop, there it is. And then they go to I, um, the, the show. It's like a fancy dinner. Yeah, the, uh, they were calling it the, uh, uh, the uh hazel flag night it was like at this theater where they do these big huge shows uh with women i'm assuming because it was called heroines of history that I, was the the performance they were doing the great heroines of history they yes made the performance just for her that yes. night i feel well yeah it, and i liked to call it racism and sexism on parade oh i just called it the racist parade (laughs) (laughs) i love our notes (laughs) but yeah um but oh but before the racist parade comes out (laughs) hazel i feel like she's first starting to get like that consciousness 
Well, because everyone around her is crying yeah, she and just looks bawling at their eyes out. Yeah. And they're just like, <laughs> she like smiled at this one dude and he just breaks down. <laughs> like, sobbing uncontrollably and just staring at her yeah. intently. It was weird and disconcerting. For so, girl does this. what anybody would do in that situation. She gets drunk. Yes. And then the then the parade then comes the parade out. comes out. Oh gosh. Yeah. We we don't we don't really need to talk about that cuz that was just bad. Yep. Um but Hazel is invited onto the stage. Um she is drunk off of her ass. <laughs> like this woman, she is hiccuping, mm-hmm. which is obviously the the main indicator of drunkenness. Yes. And she is so overwhelmed by her drunken state and the crowd around her, um, she faints on stage, and everyone. I feel like more she just passes out. Oh, I thought it was more of a faint because she did the whole hand on her forehead thing. Uh, I was like, she blacked out. <laughs> she drunk. <laughs> that works too, but everyone thinks she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a good move for her. Oh yeah, as, as it, a liar. Yes, it was. It was very weird. Um, that just automatically everyone's like, "Oh my God, she's dead! Yeah. She's dead! Get L- her doctor!" Look, L- yeah. Luckily, the doctor's there, and who he was also drunk. Yeah, but he is. He's keeping on the charade. He goes down. He knows she's okay, and he just like smells her, and he's just like, "Girl is tanked." But he tells them like, "Oh no, this is." I expected like this yes. would happen soon. Just, just bring her, bring her, bring her back to the hotel. <laughs> Where he then proceeds to try and calm her drunk ass um, by taking her shoes and stockings off. But every time he flips her dress past her knee, he cl- he's like, "Oh no, no, we can't do that. We can't do that," and throws the dress back on. And then there's just like I guess a gag of him accidentally throwing it over her knee, and then not or having to throw it back and then it was a back and forth of I him. don't know it was weird there was some slapstick happening yeah it was weird all the time while she's arguing because she has this conscience conscious moment of she can't do this anymore she's yeah. clearly overwhelmed by the lie and she doesn't want to be a liar she's a fake and she wants to out herself and just go back to vermont yeah because the big city is too much for her but, so the next scene, we learn about a, the medical hangover cure. Yeah, it's the next morning, she's got a severe hangover, and the doctor comes and he starts pulling out eggs, raw eggs, out of his pocket. Like, <laughs> and, like, in, in his back, it wasn't even, like, his back pocket, it was, like, his back, like, under his trousers, like, he was carrying well, them in his trousers. everywhere, he's, like, coat pocket, shirt pocket, every pocket. Yeah. <laughs> These raw eggs, which weren't broke in any way, no. shape, or form. No, no. And he just cuts, you know, a pinhole in them, tells her to suck on the eggs yeah. and cure the hangover. Which she doesn't want to do. She's she's so remorseful about this that she's she wants to just deal with her hangover and accept the consequences that she's wrought upon herself. But he's all like, it's coming out of the $10,000 that they owe me. Yeah. And he's very adamant that they continue on on this charade. But, so, they come up with this plan for her, well, she comes up with the plan for her to jump into the Hudson River, 
while he waits in a boat and she swims to him mm-hmm. to fake her suicide. Yeah. So. Um, but then Cook comes to visit? Oh, well, that's when the kids sing her her morbid song. Oh, yeah. About how she was so brave and so miraculous in the past tense as well. Like, this was a song that was written to be sang to her after she died. Well, she wasn't dying quick enough for them. Apparently. So, yeah, the, the kids uh, the kids sing. Oh, yeah, and Cook does come to visit and talks about her funeral. Right, her funeral arrangements. From And it, they're trying to get the governor of New York to declare... Uh, a national or a statewide holiday mm-hmm. on the day of her death. Yeah. I don't know. I still really want to know what she did to infatuate the entire state of New York. I don't know. But Cook in this scene is wearing way too much makeup. Oh, I didn't notice that. He I just, totally I was, was, I was still distracted by his pants. <gasps> they they were above his belly button. That was the style. That was like it went right to their middle. Even though guys don't have waist, that's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make it. It still is. It was very distracting. <laughs> very distracting. I was still trying to figure out what was going on at this point. Oh, but then, oh, cause here's the thing. Cause he said, "Well, I just called this new doctor who's an expert in oh, radium yeah. poisoning," and that's where after he leaves. Cause she, cause he's like the doctor's coming tonight, um, from Vienna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why she has to come up with this plan. That's to why get she out comes up with the suicide yeah. plan, cause it's gonna be tonight. They gotta get out. Yeah, cause doctor from Vienna, um, and his team, his European team, his European <laughs> team is the Euro team <laughs> coming in fighting the radium poisoning. Gonna save them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she goes. Uh, oh no, he goes back to Stone in the newspaper office, and that's how he finds out, oh no, wait, I'm skipping ahead. No, when she leaves, Ernest the Shoeshine Man shows up. Oh yeah, 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 who is stealing flowers? Stealing the flowers for his wife. The, the guy who played the sultan in the beginning, <laughs> he's now stealing flowers. Yep. Just some great roles for African-Americans in this yeah. time period. Mm-hmm. It really perpetuates a lot of the things that are still going on today. Yeah, okay, so he's coming, and then he finds her suicide note on the bed. Yes, and calls, he calls Mr. Stone. Stone, and reads her the note. And so he gets, you know, police and fire to... He gets, like, the entire National Guard of New York... <laughs> To come in to look for this woman. Yeah. Who is obviously suicidal in their minds. Um, but Cook goes into the office and finds out about this this plan and somehow magically gets to the docks before anyone else. Mm-hmm. And she's taking off her coat and she's standing, getting ready to jump. She's holding her nose and counting to three. Mm-hmm. And he's like, No! what are you doing? And she, like, has a little, like, three-year-old, like, fit. She grabs her arms and, like, swings like this and is like, no, I'm not listening to you. Yeah, but then (laughs) he runs over and he trips and accidentally (laughs) pushes her into the Hudson. Yeah, and then we find out that he cannot swim. Yeah, he jumps in after her and he's like, I can't swim, (laughs) so she's gonna save him. After he clearly, like, almost killed her. Yep. Um, 
So then they go into, like, they pull each other out of the river. They're back on the dock. They're back on the dock. They find an empty, like, crate. Crate. They hide in a crate. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, for, like, the first half of the this dialogue scene, you just see her feet and Ooh. her stockings. Yep. And you're like, what is going on? And then, uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what she was saying. It was something along the lines of, you just don't understand, like, I... She doesn't want... I don't know. She doesn't want him to leave? She doesn't... I feel like she doesn't want to hurt him anymore. Yeah, she keeps on say, I... She keeps on saying something, and then he interrupts her. Yeah. And randomly asks her to marry him. Yeah, now he wants to marry her. Yeah. Like, he just goes... He's like, stop, Hazel. Will you marry me? Yeah. And she's like, oh, golly gee, what? <laughs> That's essentially what happens. And uh, then they kiss. Yep, they smooch. Because they couldn't kiss until a proposal was wrought. And then the Swedish fireman finds them. Oh my god, the <laughs> Swedish fireman! <laughs> He's my favorite person of all time. You can't really understand what he's saying. No, he says all of his J's as Y's. <laughs> but I was I was still trying to figure because he gives her her his coat and mm-hmm. then his helmet <laughs> to wear, mm-hmm. and I don't really know why because he was just he just didn't look concerned. He just looked kind of like angry or bored or tired, and he's just like uh, what. Uh, he's like, do 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 doo doo what did he say? He goes, yumpin' yiminy. Oh, yumpin' yiminy. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the driver's name was... Jim. Tim. No, the driver's name was Jim, so he said yim. Oh, yim, yes, yim. So, they get on the fire truck, yumpin and then... yiminy. Yumpin' yiminy. <laughs> they get on that fire truck, and then almost fall back in the Hudson because the fire truck backs up too far. So they all go, jumpin' Jiminy! Yeah, jumpin' Jiminy. And then, um, they go back to the hotel, and that's where we meet the Euro team. (laughs) Team Euro. Team Euro. Like, she does this, like, head movement. Like, she looks like a pigeon whenever... Well, because... The, the guy from Vienna, he's, like, clicking his heels. He oh, does yeah, yeah. The, 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 the sharp bow. Yeah. So she's just trying to reciprocate. But she looks like a pigeon. Yeah. And then we get introduced to... It goes tall, very tall Vienna man, then to the guy from Prague, who's slightly shorter, and then to the guy from, uh... What was the other one? It I know was, the last one was Berlin. Well, yeah, the last one was Berlin, but there was, like... Another one from, oh, fudge. I don't remember. I don't remember either, but they all, like, are lined up. You love that aesthetic, Ashley. (laughs) What? You love when they line up men in ascending. (laughs) When they're tallest to short. From descending height, you love that. Why? You like that in something else. Oh, in Grease, too. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) You love when they do that. Because it's, as a short person, that is something that only really happens to the women. So it's nice to see that they used to do it to the guys, too. Because they were. They were it's very... for comedic effect. Oh, yeah. But they all had the round doctor, uh, like, 
European glasses mm-hmm. that clearly, like the Harry Potter glasses, that yeah. clearly means that they are from outside of the country. Yeah. The other guys never talk. Dr. I'm call, I was calling him Frankenfurter, but I know that's not his name. Um, Dr. Frankenfurter from uh, Vienna, Vienna was the only one who talked out of this group. And he's, like, leading them around like his children. He's like, okay, yeah. children, let's go now. These Euros were serious business. Oh, yeah. Um, so And her doctor was... Uh, he was drunk off his ass again. Yeah, or and, and sick from waiting in the Hudson. I, that wasn't really addressed. I just took it as he was drunk and trying to get over his drunkenness. I think he was sick and was taking something that made him loopy. Oh, okay. Because he had his feet in the water and a towel, you know. He was having like a, uh, what's it called when you take too much Robitussin? He's he robo-tripping? Yes. <laughs> Doctor was robo-tripping. <laughs> um... So they do their little tests, and they're the next scene. They're in the uh, the newspaper office, mm-hmm. and they're caught in the lie. Well, they're like, this woman's uh, no sign of radium poisoning at all. No symptoms. She's the fake. She's fake. Um. So then, Stone is very mad. He calls in Cook. Yes. And he tells her, "You're a little A's a fake." Yeah. And then he pulls in. I guess what's like his bodyguard newsies yeah (laughs) he pulls in the old newsies (laughs) the old newsies like these men were in their 40s yep and uh my favorite was the the dynamic between max and mo max and mo yeah who um max was uh, told to stay at the office Mm -hmm. to watch cook and mo and his his gang was sent to the hotel to try and drag uh, Hazel. Hazel into the newspaper office because they needed to talk to her. Yeah, but Mo calls up, and after a series of, I don't know, humorous phone antics, it was revealed that she is sick with pneumonia with like a hundred, over a hundred degree temperature. 106. 106. Yes. So, um,. Everyone is all concerned again. This was a very sudden switch from anger to concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cook's like, I gotta go over there. And, and even Stone was like, you should be with that little lady. Yeah, because you love her. Mm-hmm. And so he hops to it and gets over to the hotel. And he's like, get up, you big faker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like clearly not concerned at all because he realizes suddenly he becomes the stat the savvy newspaper guy yeah suddenly he's like i knew it all along you were faking and it's like no you didn't no like, okay um because she's like in bed with her uh her water her water bottle strapped to her head mm-hmm. tied around her head it was very weird and she had her three different uh Thermometers. thermometers to, you know, she's pulling an Elliot from E.T., you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she definitely probably used this trick on her mom to get out of going to school. Yeah, um, but she's like, listen up. Now, he, he says, listen up, hot stuff. The They're getting the... The, the, the doctors are coming back. The, the Euro doctors, they're making a reappearance, so you better get real sick real fast. Yeah, and so he uh. just comes up with this awful, awful plan to, um... This was the worst. This, this was the worst. This was pain. This, oh. this was, like, everything that's wrong with movies and 
violence against women. <laughs> this is where it, it started, okay? So he he's like, we're we're gonna get, you need to be peaked and you need to be sweating and you need to be totally out of it. So you know what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we need to raise up your your heart, your heart rate <laughs> and you need to be sweating. And we're like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> you need to fight. fight. <laughs> we're like, okay. <laughs> We're like, this took a turn. Where's the romance in that? And so, so they fight. He's like, keep swinging. And he's dodging all of her punches. Her just like King Kong punches. But he's giving her. Oh, yeah. He's pushing her around. Yeah, he keeps like picking her up and just pushing her on the bed, like kicking her in the butt, you know. Oh, yeah. And he spanks her in several different instances. Yeah, there's actual contact from him to her. Yeah, and... Oh my god. So then Oh god. She ugh. So she stands up and he's like, Okay, we're gonna He's like, when you regain consciousness, consciousness. <laughs> you're gonna switch the thermometer, alright? Alright? And she's a little like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, what con- what consciousness am I regaining? Oh god. So then he socks her Start right in the, the face. face. Yeah. Like, clear, clear on, full-on wide shot, full-body shot of him mm-hmm. clocking her in the face. Oh, oh, God, it was terrible. Ugh, and then she just falls. Or no, she's, like, stands there just wavering for a second, and he mm-hmm. takes just, a finger and pushes her. Yep, pushes her back onto the bed. Yeah, and then it is revealed that Stone was there all along. Just watching. Just watching yeah. it happen. Oh my god, this, ugh. And, uh, and Cook was very offended. He's like, you, you let me beat up a poor woman and just watched? And, uh, he's like, well, you hit her. You hit her for real. And he's like, but I love her. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, yeah. this is where it started and you were to blame. Uh. No, this was just, this was just, it was happening in real life, and they put it in a movie. Oh, yeah, and, and she, like, he socked her, and then pulled her up into the bed, and then gives her a kiss and tucks her in. Oh, God, oh, God, I can't even, it's, I, oh, it's terrible. It's so bad. Yeah, it wasn't funny. No. If it was funny back then, it would only be funny to the guys, and even then, you shouldn't be laughing. No. Uh, I, ugh. Yeah. So, we're gonna skip around the rest of that. <laughs> and so they, she regains consciousness and puts the thermometer in her mouth and he's like, the jig's up. Mm-hmm. You've been caught. He was here all along. You don't, we don't need to fake it anymore. And so they're trying to come up with a plan to... No, wait. After that, she gets up and she hits him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She touches She him. knocks him out. Which I wouldn't say is exactly, you know, equal to the, no. No. <laughs> he was, uh. he, he like grabbed her boobs at one time. He was, okay. Uh. Yeah, we can't talk about that anymore. Um, but they're sitting on the edge of the bed and there's clearly cotton in their, no, in no, their no, lips. No, no, wait, 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 did I skip something? She confesses to oh, everybody. Oh, yeah, she can, no, that's Not after. Not everybody. That's after when they're. They're just sitting oh. on the bed trying to figure out what to do. Like, we have to save the newspaper, the integrity of the newspaper. Yeah, they're all concerned with the newspaper. This is this is where, I don't know, it's a little weird for me here. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know, when we were doing our research, I, we found out that there were nine writers of this movie. Yeah, and I can't really follow everybody's intention at this no. point right now. Well, it was, it did say that the original writer dropped out because of some conflict with the producer, and they brought in two more writers to do the end of the movie. So at this point, it does kind of make sense that we're dealing with things that are way out of character Mm -hmm. and way out of line with the story Mm -hmm. in general. Um, But, yeah, she confesses to everybody because everybody's outside waiting uh, outside of her room. And she, like, opens the door and she's just like, I'm a big fake! Yeah, it was a sham all along. I never had radium poisoning, da-da-da-da. Yeah. And uh, so everyone's like, the mayor goes, well, I gave you the key to the city. And she stomps over and grabs the big giant key and hands it back to him. And is just like, there, I don't need it anymore. Yeah, and then, like, there are a couple women there with pretty much the equivalent of, like, the Girl Scouts. Yeah. They're like, we were gonna gather all these girls together and they were gonna do some sort of... It was just, like, to help band or get girls together, female integrity or something something. weird. Yeah, something, and it was this other woman, same Mm. thing. It's like, good things were going to happen because you were going to die. Right. So... Every, pretty much everybody had a stake in her death. Yeah. And she's, like, sitting there, like, spread... Her legs are spread out, like, she's sitting in there like a man, and she's, like, hunched over, and she's all, like, I just wish I could die then, and go off and, go off like an elephant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go off and be alone and die like an elephant. And, uh, so, that's essentially what happens. Yeah, they make her disappear, pretty much. Yeah, they put her, put her and Wally on a boat. Yeah, and then there's this letter from her in the newspaper that's saying, like, I'm going off New York, sorry, I gotta go do this alone. Yeah, like an elephant. Yep. It was specifically stated in her note. So, yeah, they're, Wally and Hazel are on this boat. They've gotten married. They've gotten married. Yeah, because, uh, she's like, something, something, Mr. Cook, and he's like, and you, Mrs. Cook. Yeah. The yeah. classic line. Yeah, of course. And they're both wearing sunglasses because that's how you hide your appearance. They are hiding. Well, someone on the boat does recognize yeah, her. Yeah, someone on the does the boat recognize her and uh, Hazel gets very upset and is just like, well, you, I bet you think that I'm Hazel Flagg. I don't want to be associated with that fake. Yeah. And she's like, the lady on the boat goes, well, you're the everything that's wrong with this country and why everything is, like, uh, what did she say? It was something along the lines of, you're the reason that people suck. Yeah. Oh, well, pretty much why we need Hazel. Yeah, flag. W- yeah, why she was a respectable woman and why hope is needed. Um, but Wally and Hazel are on this boat and they just kind of ride off into the sunset with palm trees. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was never explained where they were going. They were just getting away. Clearly tropical. What are they gonna... Is he gonna keep working? No. They're gone. I don't know. But it was weird, because he he was just like, don't worry. Don't worry, baby. They'll forget about you in two months. That's just how it is in New York, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he was back to being, like, the smooth, like, newspaper man again. Like, you're just a flash in a pan, sweetheart. They'll forget about you. Yeah. Exactly like that. He was very flip-floppy with his character when he was crying or when he was this tough guy. 
But he really wasn't that tough until, like, he's beating on her. Yeah, till the end. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was... I really want to know... I wish the writers were still alive so that I could <laughs> discuss this with them, because... There were nine of them, and that seems like an awful lot of confusion and why things were so off-putting. I feel like it, they dug themselves into a hole. Yeah. Just like the main character. Yeah. Like, how do we get out of this? Well, let's beat on a woman. Ugh. Yeah. Sounds a lot like Game of Thrones. Ouch. Sorry, Game of Thrones. You've angered me. Alright, so in the production notes, uh, this was the first screwball comedy in color. Yes. And the first to use, uh, the use of a color film in process effects, montage, and rear screen projection, which we talked about how crappy that looked. Yeah. It does say that Paramount, um, uh, overtook this, the, that use of rear projection and perfected it. Mm. So, this was the first use, and this was, like, I guess the last time that that studio had done it, and Paramount was just like, okay, we'll do it, and yeah. we'll make it better, because we're Paramount. Yeah, also, okay, well, greater themes on this movie, themes of corruption, dishonesty, and then, as we said, slam on the, the newspaper business. Yeah, I'm still confused by this movie. <laughs> We were uh, saying that, like, why do we always, like, at the end of these movies, being like, what did I just watch? What? Help. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, they really are trying to figure out how to tell a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. But they really get lost in how to depict romance. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so this is the first movie we watched with a female writer, but it really feels like, for the time, like, men don't really understand romance or how romance works from the female perspective. Mm, I don't know. Based, yeah. It was like, because the last, like, especially the last one, it was just, it was an implied romance. And even then, it was, you were reaching for a romance. Mm -hmm. So why it was defined, it's defined as a romantic comedy is still strange. I mean, isn't it, it's kind of weird, a little sick, that he fell in love with her when he thought she was dying. Going to die. Yeah. 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 But then he was really happy that she wasn't going to die and then kicked her ass. Well, at that point, were they already engaged? When he beat her? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I think that's when things changed for him and, and her in the relationship. When he won, when he's like, okay, we're getting married. You're mine now. Uh, okay. Yeah, I just, I'm, I don't. At, like, comparing it from other romantic comedies that I've seen, which are mostly modern, mm -hmm. and even, like, if we're comparing it to romance movies, it doesn't feel like they understand how to bring the comedy of romance about yet. Mm-hmm. Or bring about... They're, they're trying to add screwball comedy to romance, but they're forgetting about the romance, so the screwball comedy is just 
Yeah, it's a comedy with, like, a little touch of romance. It's even, like, I did not feel like he was falling in love with her. I felt like he felt sorry for her. Mm-hmm. And that he wished she could have all the life experiences that she deserved. And I'm I'm assuming that he took that, I mean, for the time, the most life experience that women could experience were getting married, raising a family, keeping a house. So I guess that's, she's going to miss all of that because she's still very young. I feel like if he loved her, he would be trying to get her out of the situation, possibly even back to Vermont with like, without him, you know. There were ample chances for them to just get the hell out of New York. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Why, why didn't he? I don't know. Because he's got to further this movie along. (laughs) Yeah. But even just going back to, to Vermont would be a better ending than him beating on her just to get her to look a certain way, to look like she had pneumonia, to to try and fool a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to fool a doctor by beating somebody up, I don't think that you're they're going to get the same result from a doctor that you want. Yeah. That was just a poor decision. Yeah, it should have been, like, the doctor's coming, let's leave. Yeah. Like, they wasted so much time just standing around doing bullshit instead of packing their bags and just getting the hell out of Dodge. That would have made so much more sense because the doctors obviously were, they were still looking for the doctors. Mm -hmm. And they still could have did the whole note of she disappeared. Exactly. So, yeah, that could have been addressed way quicker and without that section. I wish I understood the time. Do you recommend this movie to anybody? If we're comparing and contrasting, because this is a common, a common theme in romantic comedies is the woman gets herself in a hole mm-hmm. and needs to have somebody help dig her out. So if we're comparing it to, to something like, uh, I haven't seen it, but that crappy, there's a, that Jennifer Aniston and, uh, Gerard Butler oh, comedy. Oh, I billboard (laughs) yeah where he has to like go and chase her down because she's like some convict or something and then they end up with handcuffs on one another better example what about like practical magic if we're comparing it to practical magic this this is not this can't stand up to that no because in practical magic she really does stand up for herself and she takes charge of the situation and in this movie, she didn't. She was very passive. She just went along with it. The men decided she didn't. She really wasn't the deciding factor in executing this ruse. I feel well, like. it was her plan to do the suicide note. Well, I mean, just the ruse of get, go, like going to New York. She wanted to go to New York, but I don't feel like she wanted to to make it seem like she was. I don't think she wanted to use the fact that she was dying. I disagree, because the whole, like, people will like me if I'm dying. She's like, yeah, let's do this. I don't think she knew that it was going to be as big. Yeah, just from the beginning, I don't know. she used him. She used him in the beginning to get out of there. Okay. 
She didn't say, nope, I'm not sick anymore. She said, oh, I get to go to New York. Oh, I'm sick. We didn't even give her the chance to, like, explain. He just went on this whole... I feel like he was using her as well. Yes. He was using the her newspaper for the... was using her. She was using the newspaper. Yeah. But, I don't know. I feel like maybe there was something missing, because the doctor really seemed to keep pushing her to keep this ruse yes. up. Yes. So, she wanted to get out of it much sooner when, after that fancy dinner. Yeah. And, and that's why I felt like she, she, her heart really wasn't in it, in that it's different where... It was not what she thought it would be. Yeah. And so she didn't, but she didn't really try to get herself out of it. She voiced she, her she opinion. Lied she lied in bed and moaned. Yeah. She didn't, she was very passive. She just let the men control... Mm-hmm. what her actions were going to be on both sides. Like, the doctor was controlling her to stay and hold up the ruse, and the newspaper guy was... They needed her. They needed her to to push the reputation of the newspaper back They needed up. her to die. Well, they definitely needed her to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... All she Wally, wanted was to go shopping. I know, and she never got to go shopping. <laughs> ah! But Wally... That's where I, I have a problem with Wally is because you don't have his intentions there. Like, he's not really on the newspaper side because he's clearly not really on Stone's side. They really have a dynamic where they don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And he's really not on her side either. So he falls in this weird kind of, like... He's on his own side. But I didn't even feel like that because if he's on his own side, then why wasn't he trying hard enough to make sure that this was an actual story. I feel like if he was on his own side, he would want something credible and something... Well, he's a corrupt... He's... He's... Corruption and dishonesty, the themes of the movie. Yes, but he was the one who kept perpetuating... Like, he kept pushing the theme. He's the villain. He is the villain. (laughs) There was no villain, but he's the villain. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just a weird... Thing for me, if we're comparing, yeah, going back to if we're comparing it to Practical Magic, Nicole Kidman's character in that really pushes to get herself out of that situation and fight back. Mm-hmm. She just wallows in bed and lies there and doesn't doesn't really do anything. She lets everybody else. She's a child. She's essentially a child. Yeah. She lets everybody decide. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at the end, when you had that council with the mayor and the other women and that other, that random dude who we never were introduced to. Yeah. Um, they decided. You're better for us to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then they made her, they shipped her off. Mm-hmm. So, again, she's just, she's passive in that, yeah. that sense. Dude, it, it sucks. Yeah. That's yeah. why I say, would you recommend this movie to anybody? To watch as entertainment or to watch as, like, what we're doing. <laughs> Whatever you... Whatever, it's, Carol Lombard, it was her favorite film that she was in. I want to know why it was her favorite. I don't know. Like, did uh, she say that to keep on the good side of the producers? Or? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen any of her other films. Yeah, I definitely um, can't compare. I'm glad that they did not show this film in school. Yeah. I feel like there would be a lot of things... It doesn't highlight excellent filmmaking on a whole. It, it doesn't have a very good story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... The editing was very noticeable 
and or just jarring. Um, acting was decent for the most part. It wasn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's not like Charlie Chaplin, Screwball, the the Three Stooges, that kind of stuff. I wasn't. I was laughing at the beginning, but as it got went on and got more muddled and confusing, I didn't really find it all that funny. Um, so yeah, the jokes didn't. The the timing was bad. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if we're trying to highlight history as a whole and trying to learn from our forefathers' past mistakes, <laughs> it, it is a good starting point for that. Because this is, for me, for at least the three that we've watched, this is the first one that actually started to have romantic comedy themes yes. in it. And so from that standpoint, it's interesting to see where they were at the beginning for, to where we are now. That's why we're watching these movies. I know. But, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's, it is, would I recommend it from the, for what we're doing? Yes, because this is the first mm-hmm. that, that at least we have access to, to actually really see that kind of side of it. And as much as I felt like she was a child, she was an interesting actress from that side. Like, she did, she did hit some of her jokes really well. But, yeah, I don't, I just feel like she didn't have enough to do. Right, yeah, I definitely agree with you in your analysis of active versus passive. Yeah, she really, I, I felt like she could have, she could have done more, because the jokes that she did hit were, were physical, and were also, um, where she was actively involved in that scene. Mm-hmm. And so that from that standpoint, if you would actually like trust your actor to to do what needs to be done, I felt like she could have done way more cuz the guys I really didn't feel like the doctor he didn't like his whole lean into people and then be pushed back was just a weird thing it wasn't really that funny it just felt very invasive and was like dude you're a doctor calm your shit like (laughs) just go away so yeah it just that part of the like he didn't fit eh, he didn't hit those physical comedic marks for me very well so but yeah what would you rate it i'd give it uh two two head wounds (laughs) Uh, I'd give it like one and a half silky bed dresses. Ooh. <laughs> I couldn't even think of a good object to associate <laughs> this movie. I can't. There's no. I mean, maybe biting midget children. No. That that really stuck out for me. Like, why I. What is wrong with Vermont? I'm that's my chief question of this movie. <laughs> like nothing it. sacred. Uh Colin, what is wrong with Vermont? There it is. <laughs> Alright. Thanks for joining us, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week we are watching 1939's The Mikado or Mikado. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like white people as Japanese people singing opera. It's going to be 
awful I feel, but I don't know. I'm uneducated on it right now. Yeah. Uh, just from the stills we've seen. Mm, yeah. That's gonna be fun. Tune in. You can subscribe to us at thecutaways.com. As well as iTunes, and we have Twitter. Yep. Uh, at Cutaways Podcast. Yep, at Cutaways Podcast. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.